We'll be getting started in three, two, one. Hello, everybody. We are back for another episode of F It, We'll Fix It in Post. I am your host, Kevin Mumphrey, with my partners in crime, Victoria V.A. Jones and Karsten Hype Ferguson. How are you all doing today? What's going on? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what that is, but I'm hoping it's not a mating <laughs> listen, call. Listen, listen, we don't need none of that. Nah, like, nah, I was like, I was thinking like, you know, channel my inner Gucci, you know, like, you know, oh, like, you, you know who I thought you were? <laughs> you were the candidate that year. Oh, no, no. Oh, <laughs> oh, you talking about, uh, yeah. Yeah, I thought you were trying to do nah, that, you know. Nah, nah, I definitely not. Nah. Election season. And nah, never that. <laughs> Uh, we're not prepared for this. So <laughs> today we also have a guest. She's an active member of the Nashville film com- community. Young lady wears many hats. She's an actress, writer, and producer. So welcome to the pod, Miss Heidi Irvin. How are you doing today? Hi, I'm doing fine. How are you? I am blessed and highly favored. So what I'd like to normally ask at first, so what motivated you to start working in film? Well, um, I was kind of like into storytelling as a kid. I entered some contests and uh, got more serious about it in college. I went to MCSU and I was in the theater program there. Um, I guess I always sort of watched a lot of TV growing up. Um, I was super into like Nick at Night, (laughs) stuff like that. And like sitcoms and definitely like Disney movies and stuff and that kind of thing. Uh, but I, I did a show when I was at MTSU, I co-wrote a musical um, with this guy named Brandon James Gwynn. And uh, I would say he was definitely the first person who really believed in me, saw something in sort of like the short plays that I'd written and some of my performances and asked me to collaborate on this musical with him called Underwear the Musical, and it later became Underwear a Space Musical. And uh, oh, I have heard yeah. of that. I, I heard really? of that. Yeah. yeah. I yeah. haven't seen well, it, we, but I've, I've heard about it. <laughs> well, we did it at um, MCSU Studio Theater, and then it took us to New York, and we were in the Fringe NYC Festival, and then we got we went back to MCSU and, and did it on the main stage in, like, 2020. 2011, 2012, and then we went to the American yes. College Theater Festival with it. Yeah. I was at MT um, around that time. Yeah, yeah. So um, that was definitely this time when I was just like, somebody sees something in me. And, uh, you know, the response to the show was really strong. And, uh, you know, I, I really love theater. And I feel, you know, kind of more at home there. But just the sort of excitement of film and TV and how long it lasts and um, how you can share it with people, you know, no one has to show up at a certain place in time. You know, I, I think that's why I've been definitely more focused on film since, since my kind of playwriting days. <laughs> so you mentioned you was MTSU, which well, I guess yeah. that makes three of us. Uh, yeah, yeah. I was I was there from like 2011 to 2014, actually. So, did you like m- learn mostly acting from MTSU, or did did you also help with playwriting? Well, I think my official concentration was uh, playwriting. 
Um, but I definitely did a lot of acting when I was there. Um, yeah. So mostly playwriting? Sure, yeah, yeah, playwriting. <laughs> now, now, most people, when they graduate, they end up going to, like, Los Angeles or New York or I guess even Atlanta. So what made you decide to want to stay in Nashville? Well, I did go to New York for about a year. Um, when that show went to New York, I just sort of followed it. It, it was a different cast there. And, um, and when it was over, I just sort of stuck around to see what would happen. But I didn't feel as creative there. Um, it's, of course, like a really inspiring city, but I work two jobs a lot of the time. And, you know, the stuff that I was writing there, it just didn't have quite the same thing to it. I don't know. So I thought, well, maybe I'll come back home. And, uh, you know, Nashville, Nashville has a really cool community. Um, and uh, I'm thankful for the Nashville film community for sort of letting me be a little bit of a big fish in a small pond. I've gotten to work with a lot of great people and um, learn a lot. Um, just by being a part of it. Whereas in New York, I was, I just kind of disappeared a little bit there. I know. I'd, I'd say the same thing. Cause, uh, you mm-hmm. actually introduced me to Kevin. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's <laughs> funny how that works. Yeah. When I was I, like, you put the call out for me, I was looking for people and, and, um, and like, yeah. And then I got to work on the film with you. That, that was pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. I would say people are a lot more, um, approachable here in Nashville. Yeah. Welcoming. Yeah. Yeah. Welcoming. That, that's, yeah. that's a better word for yeah. it. Yeah. Cause that I've been mm-hmm. able to approach people that I feel like, especially if I was in New York, they may want to fight me if I approach them. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you can like, so yeah, I, I then my big thing was like working on this movie black hauler, which was crowdfunded by two different campaigns. And it was like, you know, community theater, it was like community film. As you all know, uh, you know, you helped me out on it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we, we had, you know, uh, our director, Jason Berg, and a cast, a large cast, and we asked, you know, to beg, you know, and borrow, not so much steel that I know of, <laughs> um, you know, equipment and, and just volunteers and um Oh, you know, it was a big group effort um, that took a couple of years um, to complete, but it kind of miraculously all came together and we're really proud of of what happened. But I don't think it would have happened for me if I had been in New York or L.A. trying to do it. You know, you need permits for everything and everyone wants to be paid and should be paid. But, you know, it's like, Mad Men. There's that quote, like, I want you to give me one for free. I think everybody kind of will let you do something for free for a little while. Right. Just to get the experience. And then you got to really pay them. And, you know, but this was the, you know, I'd been kind of volunteering and did a bunch of short films and like 48 hour theater stuff for people. So I had a couple favors maybe coming my way, but I definitely used them all up on Black Holler. (laughs) Now you mentioned it like Black Holler took a couple of years to make. Now I don't think the average person that watches a film doesn't realize how long it takes to get a film made. 
that may think it's like a yeah. few months or something like this. So how like how many years did it take for Black Holly to be completed? Um, I think so. We most of the movie um, is set outside. It's about basically like it's an eighties horror comedy. So it's kind of making fun of those movies or really being more of an homage to like Friday the 13th. And it's set like in the fictional woods of Black Holler. So the challenge of that is um, it's great for when you do a period piece so you don't have to have all these 80s sets because um, it's all outside in the woods. But, uh, you know, if it rains, your day is canceled and if it's you know you only have the spring to summer season when everything's green so we had to stop and and start but it was basically one year um in the spring and summer when we filmed most of it and that was 2015 and then 2016 where we had to kind of do some pickups and the following year when it got to be green outside again and then it was in post-production and we um so the Kickstarter was October in 2014, and then we premiered at the Bellport April 2017. So it took it took a long time. <laughs> there was a lot of footage, and you know we were definitely learning as we went. And uh, and so you know they, I know some movies can be turned around in a few months, but they're you know just have a lot of different circumstances than we did. Now, how long did it take for you all to um, write Black Holler? Well, um, it, that part didn't take quite as long. When we had the Kickstarter in October of 2014, we had a, uh, it was a short film at that point. And when we raised the money and we just reached, you know, fall beginning, we thought, let's spend a little bit more time and make it a feature film. Because even though we raised a certain amount of money, we knew that we'd also be matching that amount ourselves, the core sort of production team. So, I mean, it, it really took maybe, maybe three to five months, but there was quite a long rewrite process too, where someone couldn't make it to set or, you know, we didn't have the car that we thought we were going to get. So we did rewrite while we were in production constantly. Improvise. That too. Huh. <laughs> I know yeah. a lot about that. Yeah, a bunch of <laughs> bunch of improv improvisation, uh, improvisation. Like uh, however yeah. you say yeah, it. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like I gotta improvise yeah. how to say the word. So I got a question. So being a writer, when you write, how does it uh how is it visually in your head? Like, do you see it clearly when you're writing it down, or uh, is it uh, like bits and pieces? I. I think it's probably best when I do see it clearly in my head, but you know, you want to give the reader enough to mm, see it in their head right. and write visually for them. But it also, you don't want to, you know, have every single detail because that, you know, you've got to leave room for, you know, if you really see it in their head, your head is like, it's a redhead or, you know, a certain kind of person. And then they just, you know, another person auditions and they don't look anything like the person you pictured, but they really fit the part well yeah. and just gel with the other actors. It's really important to like be open to that. You know, I, I, I uh, watched Shonda Rhimes masterclass good. and Very she good. talked, it's really good. 
and she she talked about um, writing Grey's Anatomy and like the character descriptions and the actors that they had reading for the parts and how it completely changed. And I was just like, that's so so true. But and that's kind of the fun thing about it too. So you don't want to give too much detail so that the actors and directors and set designers can't make it their own. But yeah. you want to give them enough material to get an idea of what you are going for. Exactly, exactly. Now, did you have uh, co-writers for this film as well? Yes, I um, I worked with, um, at first it was uh, Rachel Ward-Hagen and I, and we, we both went to MCSU, and uh, we worked super close then, but uh, kind of when I came back to Nashville, she was here too and we met up again at this place called the cult fiction underground and it was in east nashville it's no longer there um it, it was the basement of i want to say black raven emporium and they showed the walking dead um every week and they showed like old horror movies and I kept seeing her there, and we just were like, we probably have a lot in common. <laughs> and then we started talking, <laughs> and, and it was like, oh, let's write a horror movie. You know, that kind of spark and that, like, naivete of just, like, let's do it. Who knows what we're getting ourselves into? Um, and, you know, I'm really glad that, you know, I, we, we, we did that. And then she knew Jason Berg from being more involved in, like, the um, communication side of MCSU. And he became one of our co-writers when we changed it from a short to a feature and he directed it. So um, I love collabing on stuff. I, I, I get a lot more done when I work with other people than when I try to do something by myself. And Jason is solid. Like I, I, I enjoy, yeah. I enjoyed yeah. the time on set with him. It was cool. So, yeah, definitely. So like having other, other writers, it, it kind of helps with you on your process as far as writing the film. Yeah, it's, you know, I think, you know, I have coming from like the theater background, everything's a collaboration and we were like forbidden to do stuff like writer, director and star and the same thing. They were like, no, none of that. Get used to like working with other people in every aspect, you know, so bringing, you know, a different flavor, everybody, you know, uh, coming together and, and bringing what they're best you know, skills with and with Black Holler, we were all quite overextended and I wasn't always at my best because I was kind of wearing many hats. Um, but it was a very amazing learning experience. <laughs> so what would you say would be the, I guess, the differences between doing a theater production and then doing a film production? Well, um, with the film, you know, with theater productions, um, it's a lot of rehearsals. It's a lot about, you know, the actors uh, playing off each other. And there's, you know, a, usually a script that's pretty solid. There's not really room for improvisation, um, typically, unless you're working with, like, the playwright, which is kind of unusual. Um, and, you know, you just, there's, it's a, for me, it was a lot more clear, like, we're going to rehearse and there's going to be a set. And then we're going to have our costumes and then we're going to, you know, run it from beginning to end. And then we're going to premiere and then, you know, you're going to do it for a couple of weeks and then we're going to close. But 
my experience with film has been it's a little bit more um less predictable um and you're working with real elements not props all the time you know just like the weather being a factor and scouting locations other than just finding the place to have the production you don't have all those decisions when you're doing a, a theatrical production uh, I, I have a and, oh go ahead yeah Oh, and, and the whole, like, kind of crew side um, is a little bit different. Um, although we had an amazing uh, set designer and uh, assistant director named Katie Gant, who I've worked with a lot in theater, whose skills really did, I think, cross over really well from theater to film. Yeah, um, I, I have a question um, on the, um, the, the crowdsource funding uh, side. Like, why did y'all decide to go on that route? Because you know that that's that it's still relatively young in its uh its its phase. You know, like was that something you just like, hey, you know, here's something, or was it something that's been on your radar for a little bit? I'd never done anything quite like it, and we researched, you know, what makes a good one, <laughs> and uh, you know, what do we need to do to, and which which crowdfunding site should we use? And we decided to go with Kickstarter because, well, we knew that it, whatever we raised, we were going to need more money. But if we couldn't raise the first amount of money, which I think was $6,000, um, we're like, if we can't raise that, we don't need to try to do this because <laughs> we're going to need to put up our own money later. Um, and we kind of just wanted to gauge, like, interest. And it was, I think, a good thing because... I normally really like to work in silence and then say, Hey, I did this thing. Come, you know, but because we started with a Kickstarter, I could not work in silence. I was constantly like, I know. Thank you for giving me money. It'll be here one day. <laughs> you know, that was, that was my message to the world for like two years. And I was just like, Oh, we have to finish this because people are counting on it. And I think that was a big driver in us actually finishing it because we definitely hit walls and had some hard times getting to the finish line. But because people had already paid for something, you know, we, we knew we needed to deliver on what we promised them. And then our second Kickstarter was, or I'm sorry, our second crowdfunder was with Indiegogo, where with Kickstarter, you have to meet your goal in order to get any money. But with Indiegogo, uh, you don't you can just get it. <laughs> but I think they take more fees out or something. Don't quote me on that. Uh, but there was some reason why. And we were also allowed to continue getting money from them after our uh, campaign was closed, which was interesting too. So, um, you know, we I just didn't, needed. I didn't know that. I didn't know that at all. I didn't know that either until people said, where's my credit? And I was like, oh, who are you? <laughs> and they're like, I gave you $50. I was like, oh, yeah. Oh, that's, that's good to know. <laughs> oh, let me write that yeah. name down. Yeah, yeah, right. name down. <laughs> we eventually, like, I think, I, I definitely reached out to everyone as best as I could. Like, please let me know if you never got your T-shirt or your DVD. Um Everybody that wanted whatever they were promised, I think, got what they were promised. You can still email me if you didn't. 
Blackcaller film at gmail.com. This is still an ongoing process. Hey, hey, but you know what? You know what? Like, I appreciate the fact that she will honor the thing that she said she will do. That's not that's not uh, as common as it should be. Right. Especially like she's like, hey, you know, hey, they we we said, hey, we're going to do X and they know they're going to get Y. And then she fulfilled that. That's cool. I really appreciate that, Heidi. I think it's a good good thing to, to do for your reputation. I mean, some things it really get can it's out of your control. I mean, this movie involves like two hundred people, um, and I think when it gets to that number, it's like, uh, if everybody's not doing what they say, I, I mean, I I have a lot of room in my heart for like movies that have some continuity issues or people who can't fulfill their promises because I know how hard it is but we were just like all committed to finishing it <laughs> like let's just do that now when you said with your uh crowdsource funding you um had it for six thousand like what made y'all come up with that amount well at the time I think we were using most um we were well at that time we didn't know we were going to we didn't completely know we we're going to be a feature. We had a short script and we had, you know, uh, equipment from Jason Berg, the director and co-writer. He, uh, he had a lot of the equipment, but there were some things we were lacking light for the most part. And um, then also like we didn't have costume pieces and uh, you know, we needed to get some money for these things. So we just sort of roundabout like thought that was a good thing to start with. Um, and then also when you have a crowdfunding campaign and you're promising people merch, you need to account for that too. And then we also knew that there was going to be a lot of subsequent, uh, you know, costs like film festival entry fees and, and everything post-production. But um, we were able to do it all for less than $15,000 at the end of it. Man, that's a good not too, not too shabby. Right, right. Now, and, and people don't. Yeah, get, it's a micro budget. <laughs> yeah, people don't yeah. understand the the behind the scenes and what it takes to actually make a film. So, uh, hats off to you guys. We all ain't got Marvel money, right? <laughs> no, nor nor should we all have because uh, you can throw money at a train wreck and make an even larger yeah. train wreck, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then mm-hmm. you're sitting there going. Spend hundreds of millions of dollars yeah. on this. Yeah, I mean, we, <laughs> we we've all heard of like you know cities and municipalities where they're spending a bunch of money on a hole in the ground basically because the construction project never got off the ground. Yeah, yeah. So, so it, it's the same concept, exact same concept, except the movies. Yeah. So when you uh started going putting your film into film festivals, how did you uh go about the process of showing your film for film festivals? Well, we kind of tried to look at, um, you know, try to get pretty specific, like horror film festivals and some comedy film festivals and ones that were based in the South. Um, or, you know, um, a unique thing about Black Holler was that we had two uh, female co-writers, a female producer, and our lead was female. And that also kind of, uh, we would enter specific, you know, we we got into a really cool film festival called the Women Texas Film Festival. And uh, we were kind of the oddball feature a little bit. 
I was I got I went there in Dallas, Texas to see it and it was like the movie that was before ours had like big name actors in it and I was just like how did we get in this but they were just like <laughs> we didn't know you know we we didn't think we were gonna like the movie and then we watched it and we all just kind of loved it and it was really cool um that they you know it was kind of random how people took it because some people really liked it. it. It is definitely its own kind of thing. It is a campy, low-budget horror movie. Um, so that's not everybody's thing. <laughs> but yeah, the film. We also got best feature film with the Crimson Screen uh, Horror Film Festival out of um, Charleston, South Carolina. And um, we would do some conventions too. Just ones really based in Tennessee. Uh, like the full moon tattoo and horror convention and uh, on Nuga in um, Chattanooga. Now, how would you just say, kind of spread the word? Now, how would you say that going going to these festivals and conventions is helpful for a filmmaker? It was good for networking. I I haven't done anything really in the horror genre since then. But I kind of wish that I was a little bit more inclined to because I've met so many people in that community where I, I don't want to just like kind of break those bonds. Um, but it was still really good reaching out to other uh, people who are interested in the same thing and who are doing, um, you know, independent filmmaking. Um, so that was that was really cool. Like just meeting people and and um and getting to spread the word outside of your kind of network of people. Um, but uh, after that, we were on Amazon Prime for a while. We just independently submitted it. And uh, we just got a distribution deal from this small company called Wild Eye Releasing, which we're supposed to be coming out in 2021. But, you know, right now it's going through the... Uh, like quality control process so they have to check all of our stuff and so we're hoping that that all works out um because they have an even wider distribution so it's kind of just like you know when you you get outside of your bubble even if it's not like you know netflix or something or like a universal pictures or something with a huge you know reach it's like every time you kind of get into a little another bubble other than yours you're gonna meet you know, maybe twice as many people. And it's kind of a cool, like, grassroots way of spreading the word. But it can take time. <laughs> so you did mention that you've gotten distribution. Congratulations, by the way. Thank you. So for any new filmmakers, how would you go about, like, find getting distribution or finding or contacting dis distributors? However I said that. I would look, maybe look at um, some movies that are similar to yours. And reaching out to other independent filmmakers um, to see where did their thing go. <laughs> um, you know, we reached out to a lot of smaller distributors who would, you know, give us the time of day, and who also worked with people that um, that either we knew or somebody that we knew knew them. Um, and so we kind of see, well, let's see what you know. We got a few distribution offers. And this one was the best for us. Um, and, you know, we'd reach out to people who also worked with them and say, hey, I see that you distributed through this company. How was your experience? 
And then, you know, we'd get some horror stories or, you know, people would say they're amazing. Tell them I sent you. So um, it's really, I think, uh, important to have those sort of net, that network of people that's kind of on your level or even just a little bit above it um, to sort of help you out along the way so that, you know, especially when you're not like in the Hollywood system or something, um, it's kind of hard to know like who's legit <laughs> and what things you should take seriously and, and just talking to other people, they'll tell you. Yeah, that's a uh, that's actually pretty smart that you uh you actually went with people that already work with them to like you know see what their experience was because like uh, I've yeah. heard I've heard a few horror stories and um and uh, I'm pretty sure since you looked at distributing companies you heard a distributor and what what happened with them the distributor yeah. distributor yeah I think that's, <laughs> that's distributor now I'm yeah. having yeah. I'm having problem with distributor no 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 like it's it's actually yeah, distributor. Distributor. They're like an aggregator. Yeah, yeah it went oh. uh, it went belly up. But last year, yeah, they were they were like, oh, submit to distributor, mm-hmm. pay us thousands of dollars, and we'll you know submit your stuff to Netflix or Amazon Prime or Hulu. But you know, we definitely considered them, but it was just sort of like we found out that you can actually just reach out to Amazon Prime yourself. Which which is which is it leveled the playing field, didn't it? Right. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, I guess you would say um, patience is is a very important attribute to have in, when doing this process. Oh, definitely. Yeah, like none none comes from fast in this. Definitely. Mm-mm. And then uh, you don't know no better. The first you get the first distribution uh, distributor deal, and you may just jump on it. Just to say, I, mm-hmm. I've got my film. This dispute, uh, I cannot say this word. Yeah, but you're you're giving <laughs> yeah. up, you're giving up a certain amount of control. So you better be ready, willing, and able to give up that control with the right person. Because you know it's like being married to the person, and you don't want to lose your baby. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there's plenty of horror stories like that too. Because once you once you say yes, oh, once you it, sign, it's a go. Once your That's name it. is signed, you know. It's not like, oh, no, I want to take this back. You can't take it back. Yeah. And if you do, you're going to probably pay a lot of money to do so. More than what what they gave you. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Bare minimum. <laughs> now, um, do you see, see yourself wanting to work, do more horror films? I don't know. I um, So my co-writer, Rachel Ward-Hagen, that uh, worked on Black Holler with me, we were we we're really trying to focus on just screenwriting right now and um trying to make some movies or write some scripts that could be on like uh tv networks we're kind of trying to break into like the christmas tv movie um oh, the world yeah Those lifetime hallmark, hallmark. Yeah. yeah we need some of them we're like well you know we Rachel's a big fan of them, and uh, we've kind of found out that a lot of those writers don't live in L.A., and, you know, you can uh, work in those capacities, like, wherever you live, as long as your material is what they're looking for. So we've written a few um, screenplays, and I was actually laid off from my main job uh, in April, and I've just sort of been able to take the time to sort of really – dive in and and work on my craft 
and learn more about how to break into the industry when you live 2,000 miles away. Um, so I'll let you know if anything happens. Um, but it's funny because I haven't been writing in the horror genre at all, but I, I definitely could see myself getting back back into it one day, though. Now, now, when it comes to writing, can you almost, like, I guess for a feature, like, when you're, like, zoned in, like, how like how long can you write? You know, I, I talked to somebody that said, if you can just write, you know, 10 pages a week, you know, it's a couple months and you have a feature film. I usually don't write 10 pages. Actually, so I have a co-writer. So the way we've been writing now um, has been you take act one, I take act two. And the format that these sort of TV Christmas movies, um, the structure is a nine act structure. So, you know, that's, we split the work sort of like uh, act one, act two, act three, act four, act five, all the way to nine, back and forth. So I might have a week where I write 25 pages or I might have a week when I write 10 or I'll take a week off and I'll think about like, who should I reach out to with this screenplay? And, you know, I'm more on the business side. So I kind of can't say, but I would say like um, the most I would probably do would be like 25 pages a week. And the uh, average is more like 10. That's definitely more than I've done. So when you're when you're writing, uh, do you guys like lock yourselves in the room and brainstorm before you start writing? Well, how I've been writing with uh, Rachel is that we have an extensive outline where we kind of brainstorm together and come up with the entire story. And sometimes we'll like, you know, we we've gone on a couple like weekend trips before the pandemic. We, we went to Asheville one time and. We went to Santa Claus, Indiana, the home of Holiday World another time. Right. Um, to just, like, brainstorm and, and kind of try to get the whole story from beginning to end. And then we'll write an outline and kind of break up the work um, so that we kind of give each other, you know, assignments. Like, it's your week. It's my week. Especially when we're kind of working on other things. It's nice to kind of have a week off in between. Um, and... I usually read whatever she does and then I just kick the idea around in my head for a few days before I just sit down and, and write it all. Now I've heard like some writers will write the ending of the story and then just write their way to that. Is that something you all do? Well, we try to make basically like a, a treatment or like a, a synopsis, a long summary to um, guide us through, especially like working with another person. Um, it's kind of good to be like, this is what we're thinking from the jump. And now we just need to, you know, put in the dialogue. And after we do that, it's like, okay, cool. We have a first draft and then we'll read it together. And then we'll say, okay, let's work on these parts. Um, which uh, is, I don't know, it can be a little bit different every time, especially if you kind of discover something when you're in the middle of the story, like, oh, let's actually rethink this. But when you're working with somebody else, it's kind of nice to like, just always try to be on the same page and check in with them to make sure you're not overriding each other. Um, Cause that's awful. 
Right. Now, with having um, co-writers, does that help when I say when one of you have a writer's block, the other one kind of takes up the slack? Definitely. Like, I think it's nice to work with someone, you know, where you have complementary strengths. Um, I'm, I started a project with another friend of mine that I used to collaborate with a lot on some theater stuff. And uh, we're working on a screenplay and I kind of told him like how, what my writing style is with Rachel and, you know, do you think that will work for us? And we're kind of figuring out as we go, it's going to be a little different, but he is really good at dialogue and I'm more of the like structure queen. (laughs) And like, I um, have a little bit more knowledge in screenwriting so I'm kind of like, oh, we want to put, you know, kind of present this idea like this um, because, it, you know, like I said a little while ago, like you want to be visual and, and have the reader picture in their mind, but you can't say too many things that are too specific because it could ruin the director's job or the casting director's job or the set designer's job. You need to give, not be so specific that there's no room for them to have any creativity too. Now, there's a, a difference in screenwriting when it comes to film and theater, as far as, like, dialogue. There is, because um, just the, like, formatting is a little different, but it definitely helps if you have a background in either, you know, just good dialogue and characters and story, um, and, you know, a, a link that's maybe less than two hours. Like, all of that is similar, but in theater, you know, you're, you have this set and you can change your locations a few times, but you can't get too crazy because you're, you're on the stage, you know, or, or you're going to have to go, well, what are we going to use a projector to show that we're in a different place now? All of those things can be done, but it's kind of a good goal to like have minimal, you know, um, locations. And in film, you can be a little bit more open with that but i will say that it helps when you're doing low budget movies to have fewer locations and fewer you know sets and and fewer um act characters um and there's a lot more like just sort of like um suspension of disbelief in theater you know if you're in a big crowd scene that might be 10 people on the stage but if you were doing it in a movie it would look ridiculous to have a crowd of 10 unless you wanted to make it seem like there wasn't anybody there, you know? Definitely. Oh, definitely. I've been to some 10 person concerts. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. And you'd be like, you like, man, like nobody showed up. Oh my yeah. goodness. <laughs> Concert was more. <laughs> totally different concept. It was, right a, uh, we, very, very the generous. concert we had in our mind was different than what's happening to right now. <laughs> But, but you know what? You know what? Yeah. Like in one of them, the the artists actually performed very, very well. Like it was a, like a thousand people there, and I was like, I was like, wow, that that says something about them. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Those type of artists actually do respect. Yeah. But when it's ten people, you call that an intimate concert. <laughs> but not, like, when you finished, gone through this project, if uh, if you could talk to, I guess, the version of yourself that got ready to start this process of doing this film, what would you tell that person? Um, just sort of hang in there and, and try to 
you know, keep yourself composed when things get a little out of hand. It's the only time that I feel like I, I'm regretful or just like, oh, man, there was a day on set when I got some really bad news on set about the production and I didn't keep my cool very well. And I was just like, oh, I'm so embarrassed that this, like, person I didn't know very well saw me like that. Like, that's their impression of me, you know? And it was, like, a very challenging to be on set at times. And I'm just like, oh, man, that's not what I want people to, to think of me. So, um, but I also think it's important to sort of be forgiving. Like, when we're all working on the micro-budget movies and there's, so many unexpected things that pop up I think it's just like you know have grace and be kind and know that like we have to get through it together um is like important to remember no that's good it's good good point to make I mean uh, like if we could all live our lives like that right oh that's a big yeah. story it's, 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 it's hard at times I ain't gonna lie it's hard at times and is any project that any of you all have ever worked on like worked out as you planned it or never. as expected. <laughs> never. That never no, happens. No. Nah, like, you're, you're, like, you always got to react to something. So, like, you know, like, you, you start with a plan and you have to be agile enough to be able to work within the, the stuff that kind of drop off or, right. or appears. Right. That's the, that's the one thing that I tell people that I, I've learned. Nothing goes as planned. Nothing. I would honestly be scared if that happened. Yeah, I need something to fuck up. I need something to fuck yeah. up to know that okay, we going it's it's gonna be cool. If nothing ain't fucked up, then I know no. something is it's not right. It's I, not right. I may just go look. We gotta start this all over. I might just start throwing a fit or knocking some shit over just so stuff can get fucked up a little bit. Like, you know okay, what I'm, I'm good. I'm comfortable now. Just. All right, we're back at square one. You gonna you gonna bring somebody's yeah. toddler in to throw a tantrum on set? Right, something. Some things mm-hmm. to happen. Start throwing craft services at your lead. <laughs> one, one actress to just show up late. Some, right. Somebody, some, some got to go wrong. Something has to go wrong. If so, if everything's going right, I am. I do not want to be a part of it. Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> Speaking of actress, like uh, there's a project we were working on, Heidi, and mm-hmm. the act, the lead actress, like, uh, sent Kevin a message. <laughs> Oh, she said her Lord. cell phone was like at work, so she couldn't come to the set. But she sent him the message though. Yeah. So she got the message <laughs> to him. And we we think she just didn't want to be in. Oh, no. so, yeah. We're, we're ready to shoot, and we've got everyone but the lead actress. Oh but, no. Yeah, oh yeah. yeah. It's, like, it's like man, we've been this playing this happened? for a while. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. This is, what like April? No, no, no. Oh. This was back in. Uh, it was back at the beginning of the year. What? I, mm. I thought it was, I thought it was, uh, I can't remember. Yeah, yeah. we You're had trying to her. edge it at your brain, ain't you? Oh, man. Yeah, we had cool. her, uh, I think, at least two months. Yeah. yeah. You wrote it. Wow. Yeah. So Literally, on the day She had day plenty of. of time to lose her phone and find it, but she picked the day of oh, shooting. No. Had no. you already filmed stuff with her? No. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no. And this was our first time dealing with her. Surprise. Grand opening, grand closing. <laughs> yes. Did you just get another actor? Oh, we got oh, oh, hella listen. lucky. So this is, oh, we good, were, we were very lucky. The um, One of the people who was helping us out brought somebody else with them. 
and she was an actress herself. You know, we knew her, but we didn't know she was going to be there that day. But she tagged along that day, and she was like, hey, let me look over the script. I mean, it was a short film, probably. It's probably about 10 minutes long. And she was like, I'll do it. And I'm like, oh, my goodness. Thank you so much. Oh, there, there was a there was a lot of prayers answered that day. <laughs> nailed it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And she nailed wow, it. Wow, that's awesome. That's really good. That, uh, well, you know, with Black Holler, we had so, you know, the, our, our filming production took a long time, and we did lose an actor, and we recast the part before um, too much was done. But that second actor also fell through. And being the campy, silly horror movie that it was, the director and I were like, so we uh, just have a different guy play the same role? <laughs> change, it, change it every scene? And we did it. That's a spoiler, but we do have a, a, a character that's played by like 12 different guys. That's, that's and oof. they look different as the, as the story goes on. It was honestly... It was that kind of thing, like it, it it's a lot of people's favorite thing in the movie. <laughs> and it was a really fun thing to have on set, like who's playing Brett today? And it was just like they the actors look different, like more and more different from one another as it goes. Um and it, it was really fun. And it was just like, Wow, I, I being like on my like screenwriter side, I was like, that idea I wouldn't have even thought to put it in the script. It was definitely just like, let's make a creative solution to this problem that keeps happening. Mm-hmm. But you can only really do that with one. <laughs> we couldn't have every actor <laughs> played by multiple people. Uh, but it worked for us. I'm glad that you all had the the good actress that just was oh, randomly that, there. Because it was either really dead cool. or a wig. And I wasn't wearing the wig. <laughs> oh, we weren't doing that. We were just gonna have to whole, do a whole reshoot. I'm sorry. Yeah, we're gonna have to nah. reschedule that whole yeah, day. Yeah, we had to re- <laughs> reschedule. So I was looking like, which one of y'all dudes look beautiful today? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> not at all. None of it them. Was none of it was none of us. It was none of. And I wasn't finna play it. I was the director. There's no way. Yeah. <laughs> I was oh, almost man. thinking about it too. Oh, it wasn't gonna happen. <laughs> <laughs> So, Ms. Heidi, uh, one, one more thing I wanted to ask you. Uh, what do you feel like is the future of the the film industry in that, in Nashville? Hmm. I don't know. I, I, it's a kind of crazy time right now just at doing film anywhere. I've, uh, I worked on a team that just started um, filming this web series called Nashville Dads Club, and they just filmed it this weekend. Um and uh it's you know a, i don't know it's like pretty small cast everybody had to get tested for covid before they could be on set and um you know we i i think that there were some things that had to change with the you know licking icing off a kid's face or something <laughs> like you know it was like we'll do this we'll, we'll do trick photography here um you know it's like I don't know. I, I think that it's happening, but it's just kind of slow moving. I know National Film Festival is this week, and they're, it's like, I guess, all digital or all, you know, online. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. So it's kind of like, I don't know. I mean, people have always been doing their own thing, and I, you know, every now and then we'll get the, 
a lot of productions will try, try to be here. Um, and that's always interesting, but it feels like that's kind of not been happening since like Phil the King and Nashville went off the air. I, I think it's been like less sort of big productions and in industry. Um, but I, I don't know. The, the Nashville film community is pretty cool. It's like, I love all the film festivals, the 48 hour stuff. And um, I know a lot of actors from like MTSU who have agents and get a lot of work and, you know, get, you know, go to different cities for a while and come back here and, and do stuff. And I think it's, it's like a, not a bad place to be. I honestly think more people are going to move here. Uh, like we need any more of that. But. Oh, oh we don't. <laughs> but I don't know. I, I hear people like friends in Chicago and stuff. And they're like, we're thinking about moving to Nashville. You know, everybody says that. Tell them to stay where they at. Yeah. No, no, no. There, there's a place in, uh, in, uh, uh, in Idaho. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Tell them to go there. I've been telling them Chattanooga. Yeah. I go, this is, this is my special. No, go to Chattanooga. I said, look, mm-hmm. it's an hour and a half from Nashville, hour and a half from Atlanta. So you can apply jobs in both places. Now, Just don't I, come here. I want to be <laughs> selfish, though, because like, when I go to Atlanta, I don't want to have to deal with that traffic there, too. Oh, my goodness. Oh, yeah. Because like, it's constant construction. That's, that's never ending, though. It's, it's going to always be like that in Atlanta. Yeah, I'm, that's, that's wishful thinking. Well, no, right I'm, talking about, I'm talking about Chattanooga. Oh. Uh, I'm, like, I'm like, yeah, I'm not. Even, I ain't got to Atlanta yet. <laughs> I'm like, I'm, like I'm, I'm halfway there. I'm like, but that's that's usually my way of diverting people from coming to Nashville because I've been getting a few of those messages too. Ah, oh, so how is it in Nashville? Yeah. It's horrible. You should stay where you at. <laughs> Please yeah. don't, don't come here. Move to East Tennessee. Ooh, wait, I, I'm not there. Way, way by the tip. No, I don't. I don't. I wouldn't do that to nobody. <laughs> I, I went there one time. I was like, I got to get the hell out of here. <laughs> Immediately. Well, Ms. Hyde, I want to thank you for taking time out to talk to us today. It's been very beneficial. Thank you so much. I've really enjoyed talking to you all. I hope I, I made sense. I, I know I've, I'm a little all over the place. No, you're Because perfect. of, like, oh, no, my background. Real. I'm like, I'm not, I don't know on anything i'm figuring it out we that's, all are pretty much all of us yeah, yeah we're, we're uh-huh. still figuring everything out ourselves and works that's what the show is about in so. progress right works, works yeah. in progress. yeah even this even this show is in progress we all doing a whole <laughs> bunch of things and <laughs> trying to make money in the process yeah i gotta move bags oh after. yeah <laughs> <laughs> and once again everybody i'm your host kevin mumphrey with victoria va jones and karsten hype ferguson and what's the name of this podcast. Fuck it. We will fix it in post. And ladies and gentlemen, that is a wrap. Holla. Lights, camera, action. In a studio where local filmmakers talk to other filmmakers about the inside world of film. Cut. That's not the script. Fuck it. We'll fix it in post. Wonder how blockbuster movies get made and what really goes on behind the scenes? Well, stand by. Filmmakers Kevin Mumphrey, Victoria V.A. Jones, and Carson Hype Ferguson explaining all the details right here on F*** It, We Will Fix It in Post Podcast.